Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, November 19th, 2019, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 116 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here in the same room with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, how are things, man? Well, I could hardly imagine how things could possibly be going better, Mr. Nice Guy. Life is good. I know! This is the first time in quite some time that we've been in the same place yeah. at the same time. Because right. normally, you know, it's online. That's right. And we're doing it from our, our separate rooms, separated by hundreds of miles, sometimes thousands of miles. That's right. Cross country. But this is the first time I'm here in Chicago. That's right. And we've had a blast today. So I already know what's been going on in your life. But talk about like the stuff we've done um, and what has been fun. What hasn't been fun? What's been interesting? What you've learned? What you've seen? The past couple days since you've been here? Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Um, so, what is probably not great is the drive across states like Nebraska and Iowa. It was six hours or so? Right? Yeah, it wasn't bad, because Omaha to Chicago's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but you know, I mean, the drive is very uninteresting. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's either it's it's flat but also somehow hilly at the same time yeah. i mean it's not wyoming flat wyoming flat is a whole different animal right but, for sure but yeah it, it's it's flat and uninteresting and and i mean it, it's kind of fall winter right now so everything's super ugly too. right now because the drive was so bad yes i said you know what mac is driving all the way here to see me by the way, for those of you who are old school viewers, we used to do this live in person every week. We called it Man Cave TV. We had a tradition of always having sodas, and so we have sodas today. Um, not to get too off topic, but we have these. These are Chicago-style WBC root beers. Cheers. Um, and they're delicious. So just wanted to say we're bringing that tradition back. But, Mac, because the drive was so rough, I've tried to make you comfortable make sure you're seeing the sights having fun eating good food what did we do today uh while you were while you were here man anything good oh i mean uh, and you were here yesterday too yeah it's past couple days but i mean you know like you said that was kind of a relaxing day right yeah yeah uh so we uh we hung out uh, we played some games. Uh, we also watched some things, which we should save until the end, of course. But uh, most importantly, we went to a very special place. We did. What place was that? It was called the Galloping Ghost Arcade. And if I am understand correctly, it's a very large arcade. Yeah, I've been told it's the largest arcade in America. 500 plus old school arcade games. And we played a few of them. Um, what'd you think, Mac? fantastic there were uh, you know there were a lot of games that i didn't really care for you know in the sense that they were like games that i didn't know that i didn't have that sort of connection no to. nostalgia yeah factor. no nostalgia yeah, to yeah. It. but there were so many games that it didn't matter even if i didn't like one we just had so many that were open and available and even those times where the one that we wanted to play was you know, currently occupied was like, take your pick of five or six more. Yeah, yeah. And in general, the arcade games were organized by generally genre esque. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah. I want to play this beat em up, but there's 10 other beat em ups. Right next to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it was sweet. Uh, I had been there before. I knew Mac would enjoy that, so we did it. Um, I've also been making sure Mac is getting a taste. Of Chicago. So right now he's drinking the root beer. What did we do for dinner today? Chicago-style deep-dish pizza. Yeah, what'd you think? Um, well, I mean, worth the calories. It's yeah, like 500 yeah, calories yeah. Not, a slice. Not, it's great. It's not low in calories. So we did the Giordano's thing. For those of you who are local and know what that is, I feel like they make the best deep dish. Um, some of y'all like that other place that starts with an L. I'm all about the G. So... Um, it was good. Um, and last night we, uh, we watched some TV. We will talk about that later when we talk about what we've been watching, what we've been playing. Mm -hmm. And we did a little bit of gaming today here in the house, but we'll talk about that later. I say we hop right in, Mac, and do what we do best and talk about the gaming news. What Let's do you think? Let's do. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 116 of Two Nerds in a Pod, 
This this root beer is making me burp, man. Nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Uh, let's hop into the gaming news. This was a very news-heavy week. Uh, Mac is is uh, handling things in the chat. And welcome everybody who's here for the live show. We appreciate you being here. First news story of the week. This is a big one, Mac. We're leading off with the heavy hitters. Um, this is about the Game Awards 2019. And they have basically come out with a list of all the nominees already for Game of the Year. And, you know, 2018 was such a killer year, Mac. We had Red Dead Redemption 2. We had Marvel Spider-Man. We had God of War. We had Celeste. Uh, and others this year the list a little bit different so here's the list let us know in the chat what you think about these games and what your your uh game of the year is personally if you're watching right now here's the list control death stranding super smash brothers ultimate resident evil 2 sekiro shadows die twice and the outer worlds now mac i know i know that you um, have probably only played Resident Evil 2 and maybe some Smash Brothers on this list. Um, just just based on what you know, what do you think about about this list? I mean, Resident Evil 2 is on there. That's an old game. Now, granted, they're talking about the remake. Now, But, but what are your thoughts, man? Well, uh, if I had not experienced some of Resident Evil 2 before, I would feel a little bit uh, like the other games on the list should be slighted, you know? Uh, because most of those other games are new entrants. Sure. Uh, whereas Resident Evil 2, well, that's just a remake, right? Right. But they really, really went above and beyond to make Resident Evil 2, uh, to really practically make it a different game. It doesn't, Oh, did they? In, yeah, in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel like Resident Evil 2. It feels like... Um, Resident Evil two and a half. It feels almost like a new game just in the same setting. Much in the same way that Resident Evil two and three were both set in Raccoon City at about the same time. Right, right, right. And they even kind of interface with some similar locations. It's a circumstance that where it, it almost feels like a new game. So I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think I'd begrudge Resident Evil two being on that list. Well, here, here's what confuses me, and I know you have not played some of the games that I'm going to mention. Um, but I mean, I've played a good amount of Gears of War 5, mm-hmm. and I think it's a phenomenal game. Like, as a guy who has never played a Gears of War game before Gears of War 5, I feel like it absolutely should be a Game of the Year candidate, and it is not. It is mentioned in some other categories, but not as Game of the Year. Hmm. Um, Borderlands 3, I have not played it, but I've played Borderlands before, and I know that it's a killer franchise. Mm-hmm. So, interesting to see that that is not listed. Additionally, The Division 2 came out this year. It's listed in some other categories, not listed for Game of the Year, even though I've heard it was pretty solid, had its bumps. Um, So I don't know. It's just interesting to see how they chose what they chose. And then we talk about Untitled Goose Game. Um, Is that something... Now, I've heard people say that that should be considered as a potential Game of the Year candidate because of what it is. It doesn't try to be more than what it is. It it acknowledges that it's an indie game and it's a bite-sized experience. Thoughts? Should that even be in consideration for Game of the Year? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know you've played for it. For my I part, have not, yes. I have, I have played it. Um, I've only played through, let's see, I want to say the first two or three areas. Oh, okay. So, I've not fully experienced the game. I don't know uh, for certain if there's a lot there, you know? Right, right. But from my experience playing the game, there wasn't all that much to it. Okay. It was fun. It was kind of silly. But that was about it. And I feel like for a game to be considered for Game of the Year, there needs to be more to it than just, you know, some silliness and a little bit of novelty. Okay, fair enough. There needs to be more depth. I understand. It needs to not be gimmicky, is what you're saying, basically. Yeah, I would say that Goose Game, Untitled Goose Game, kind of uh, flirts with that line between... A game that is just a gimmick and, you know, and uh, uh, like a joke game. Okay, understood. Yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, one game I will say that I feel is is very, very much slighted is Apex Legends. Um, that's a killer game, and it's gotten enough attention this year that I feel like it's, it's a shame that it's not considered. So Gears of War 5, Apex Legends, I feel like they both should be on the list. They are not. 
We'll see what happens. Um, let's move on to our next news story. By the way, I should have mentioned that last story. I mean, I didn't really read anything other than the nominees, but I was reading it from Kotaku, or excuse me, from IGN by Logan Plant. Uh, this next news story comes from Kotaku, and Mac, it deals with uh, with Star Wars, the new Star Wars game. Seems like the chat is on fire, because I know you have the chat pulled up. I do not. Do we need to acknowledge any comments in the chat before I move on? Um, you know, I think we're good, aside from some uh, solid testimonials for Borderlands 3 and Outer Worlds. Okay. Um, Outer but, Worlds is great, by the way. You know, but just, uh, but yeah, just let us know what you think ought to be in the running Sounds for, good. you know, for Game of the Year, if you didn't hear that already, if your favorite already on the list. Sounds good. Well, we'll keep it moving. This next one's from Kotaku about Star Wars Jedi. Jedi fallen order um it says players and by the way this is by steven totillo it says players zipping through the newly released star wars jedi fallen order should tread carefully and find a way to back up their saves if possible we're now aware of two spots in the game where glitches have trapped players with no way to advance and no recourse but to start a new game from scratch i'm not going to go too much into detail but it sounds like the first spot is on a place called dathomir and I don't want to like read spoilers in case there's spoilers here because I haven't played the game myself. Um, but it says, uh, let's see. It says Kirk was 10 hours into the game. Some 47% of Fallen Order cre cleared when he realized he was sunk in the proverbial bog with no Yoda to lift him out. He couldn't make a jump required of him and he couldn't go back. He has been playing on PC where there was no handy backup saves to which he could revert. Over at EA's help forums, there are six pages of comments from people stuck in Dathomir, many of them having accidentally gotten across that same jump before they had the powers needed to proceed. So, Mac, it sounds like this is the typical conundrum of a Metroidvania-type moment in the game where you get past something that you're not supposed to and you don't have the power to get back or to continue. I don't know what Metroidvanias you're playing that you get past somewhere you're not supposed to. It happens, dude. Does it? it? Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, maybe not Metroidvanias, but but it happens in gaming, right? Okay. Where you get, you know, you find a way to, you know, jump on a ledge somewhere and get to the next place. Maybe it's a small glitch, and then you're stuck. I mean, we've heard of games being bricked before. Yeah. Or you being in a position where you can't can't get past i mean do you think that should these people have started over or should they have waited for a patch what would you have done in that situation um you know i think a lot of that would have to do with how far in i already was how okay. much time had been invested okay and whether or not i thought it was a problem because of the game or because of me so let's say you're 10 hours into a game Okay, 10 hours in. And that's 47% of the way. 47%. Because that's that's what, where this guy was. He was 47% oh. of the way in, 10 hours in, um, gets glitched. And, and once again, he's it's not an isolated incident because there's six pages of people talking about this stuff sure. on the EA forums. Sure. So, I mean, is this EA's fault? Like, what, what do you think, man? I would be pissed. Sure, but... I feel like, you know, far be it from me to pass up an opportunity to say that yeah, EA games I, yeah, had, had yeah. destroyed something or ruined something, because I'm not a big fan. But, I mean, it's just one of those things that happens. Would it be better if the game did not go to print with something where you could lose 10 hours of progress? Yeah, sure, but I mean... The bigger and more uh, grand a game is, the more glitches are going to make their way all the way through. Especially because I feel like we as human beings are pretty good at ruining things. We're pretty good at trying things that nobody thought anyone would uh, <laughs> would screw up. It's a very pessimistic attitude. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> pessimistic, <laughs> optimistic. <laughs> pessimistic, realistic. Maybe. Uh, tomato, tomato. Um, so, on another note, are you excited for this game? Um, it's, it's been out for like a couple days. You're yeah, gonna, it looks great. Yeah. Um, I, am I going to buy a new console in order to play just this it, game? It's on PC. Um, no, but I would consider buying it on PC. Yeah, yeah. it's on PC. Yeah, so if, if it uh, if it becomes, hey, what's up, Okami? Thanks for saying hi. Um, it's uh, it's the first single-player Star Wars game we've gotten in a while, mm -hmm. and it's getting reviewed well, mm -hmm. which is good. Um, 
And, and so I'm excited to see, you know, with all of the new Star Wars stuff that's coming out, you know, with new shows, with new movies, um, with Disney having ownership over it now, it's cool to see that a game is being made. Because yeah. it, it's, it's, it's the perfect universe for games, right? And those games don't always have to involve us on a team shooting other people. It can just be us learning how to use the Force, right? It can be a single player. So I'm excited that it's a single player game. We will see what happens with that. Um, got a lot of news. I'm going to keep it moving. Mac, we talked about this next one <laughs> a little bit before the show. Mac, look, he's moving that bottle with the Force, you guys. That's why you got to be here for the live show. You miss out on so much when you're not here. Because now you just got to imagine it while you're driving and listening to us. Um, this next news story comes from TheVerge.com. Google keeps face planting the small stuff with the latest Stadium launch gaffe by Sean Hollister. Um, it says, many on, a, on Stadia's official Discord server are performing what they're calling a code check to let others know whether their codes have been sent and whether their devices have actually been shipped. Others are reporting that usernames they wanted are already taken. Um, on Reddit, Google said it was investigating the issue. Quote, we're aware that some of you who pre-ordered Founders Edition may not have received your invite codes in the expected time frame. The Stadia team is actively investigating the issue and will be back with an update as soon as possible. Thank you for your patience. So, Mac, to kind of summarize what's going on, because there's a lot of articles about the Stadia, um, if you bought the Founders Pack, yes. we know the Stadia is not a console. It's basically a service. It's an app you're paying for. Mm -hmm. You get a controller, you get some other stuff, but for the most part, you're just streaming the games. Yes. So if you bought it, you're supposed to get a founder's code that allows you to download the app and unlock it. Mm -hmm. People are not getting that, even though they've paid, and it came out today. Um, additionally, as I've been reading and listening to reviews about the Stadia, apparently if you own a game on Stadia... You cannot share it with others. <laughs> Mac is smiling right now, you guys. He's well. He may say why after I get done talking about it. Um, the release, the release games for Stadia. There were twelve originally, I believe. They doubled it to twenty-two, like a day or two before launch. Uh, and none of those games are games that are new. Maybe one or two is an exclusive. But the most important thing is, does will it play? Does it have? Skyrim. No. Well, there we go. It can't be a proper console without Skyrim. We have Skyrim for Alexa, for goodness sakes. Who knows? And somehow Stadia can't manage Alexa. Who knows if, if the Skyrim may come eventually. I mean, everyone wants Skyrim on every possible console. Oh, yeah. But bottom line, what do you think about the Stadia? I already know what your opinion is. Um, but what do you think about this launch? It's been very bumpy. Mac is excited. He's so excited he can't even say what he wants to say. Look, launches are always going to be difficult. I remember that back when Microsoft got into uh, got into doing you know doing consoles with the original Xbox, that there was a lot of uh, you know there were some bumps along the way, and they caught a lot of flack for that. Um, I don't think I can really give them flack for having troubles like this, uh, but. I will say that you would think you'd be able to keep track of your pre-orders. Yeah, I see. I'd agree with that, and, and I feel like if you. So here's the thing: this is not Microsoft messing up a company that has released multiple home consoles. It's not Sony. It's not Nintendo. This is Google, who is making their first foray into and and I shouldn't call it a console. Let's say into a streaming service, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's their first big step into this arena with the big boys. And they're messing it up. People gave them money in advance. They pre-ordered and put down $129 to be able to play a service. And they were not delivered the things they were promised immediately. Additionally, um, apparently it's buggy. Uh, apparently... You know, you can't share games across, which I guess that's not a guarantee, but it just sounds like they're not doing the things that the people want. And with so many other options out there, why would anyone buy the Stadia? Well, one of the things that, of course, we mentioned back when I spent, I don't know, maybe a whole month on a, on a horrifying rant about how this was terrible and how no one should be okay with this Google Stadia crap. Um, but among other things... Uh, the United States just does not have the internet infrastructure 
in order for most places to, you know, make anything of this concept of streaming only. The backbone just isn't there, so I don't know how much of the bugs from the system, from the, you know, service, are on them or on our internet infrastructure, which is behind Estonia's, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but, I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's just... You know, where does the fault really lie? I don't want to knock someone who I already am inclined to despise. Um, I don't want to knock them more for stuff that doesn't, that isn't really their fault. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, man. Well, there's, as always, there's so much news, and I like to focus on the biggest stories. So let's do one more, and then we'll keep things moving um, to other stuff. Uh, So this last news story comes from IGN. It's by Matt Perslow. It's about the Xbox Scarlet, ladies and gentlemen. It says, Xbox head Phil Spencer has said that Microsoft aims to support its Play Anywhere scheme in the next generation, allowing three things, Mac. Cross-play, mm-hmm. cross-buy, cross-saves. Now, I want to take a moment to note that cross-buy, the lack thereof, is one of the things that people are complaining about with the Stadia. Mm-hmm. Right? So Microsoft apparently is going to have that But next to gen- be fair... Lack of cross-buy has been something that's been in existence for all consoles. That's true. That's true. But I feel like once... Well, let's talk... Let's read and then we'll, yeah, we'll sure. talk. That's, that's a good point, though. Um, it says and achievements as well across Xbox One. So you're going to get cross-play, cross-buy, cross-saves, and achievements across Xbox One, Xbox Scarlet, and Windows PC platforms. Uh, talking to Stiviver at X, XO19... Spencer said, quote, our goal for first party games, for our first party games, is that your entitlements will be cross-generation and your achievements will move effectively with your save game because that's where they stand. Now, real quick, what's an entitlement? Is that like a so it's uh, like a pre-order perk no, or like so, a skin? So your entitlements, so what I believe he means is mm-hmm. games that you are, for lack of a better term, entitled to. So okay. games that you have purchased. Okay. Or that you own a license for. Yes. Um, or I would I would imagine that he's also referring to games on Game Pass. So if you have a Game Pass subscription. Oh, right. So remember how we were on my Xbox yeah. earlier and you were like, oh, you have Gears of War 5. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was on Game Pass, so I downloaded it. Um, but if my Game Pass thing expires, I no longer have access. Yeah. So right okay. now it's an entitlement because I have that service. Mm-hmm. If it expires and I don't renew, it's no longer an entitlement. Okay, okay. I'm with you now. So... Um, Anyway, he goes, it goes on to say Microsoft aims to make the transition between Xbox One and Xbox Scarlet to be smoother than that scene between Xbox 360 and Xbox One. So, bottom line, Mac, they're, they're going to make it so that everything is compatible. Um, and there's going to be cross-save. I mean, is this... Oh, and by the way, they also have, and I can't remember the term right now, but Xbox has cloud gaming as well. Where you can now play your mm-hmm. Xbox on any device. Are they going to kill the Stadia? Just with these moves that they're making? Is it going to completely wipe out the existence of the Stadia? Maybe. Yeah. Probably. I, I think it is. I mean, I, I can't see why anyone would go with an unestablished quote-unquote console when they could go with an established company that's offering the exact same thing in a better way with more games and and you know here's the thing i feel like a lot of gamers there we we call people who like only xbox or only playstation fanboys and i think that's kind of harsh sometimes a lot of times people just have money from one console right Mm -hmm. and and so which one are they going to pick well they're going to pick the one where their friends are and they're going to pick the one where they already have a high gamer score or a bunch of trophies um Sometimes people switch because they want to play a certain exclusive. But for the most part, people are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And so for you to make something new and want people to buy it, it has to be perfect. And I don't feel like Google has done that. I feel like Microsoft is now adding features that are going to make nobody want to buy the stadium. Well, overwhelmingly, it seems like most of you who are with us right now uh, seem to agree. Um, Google likes to do half things. Um, He's reading comments from the chat uh, right now. Indeed. Yeah. Or as Kane also said, Google will kill the Stadia first. Before uh, Microsoft does. <laughs> indeed. Or as Spenis chimed in with, with the consoles outshining what Stadia is doing, the real question is, how can you kill something that's already dead? Well, you aim from the hip and you shoot for the head. Nice. Zombies. Uh, that's a reference to zombies. You get it? Yeah. yeah it's, it's good. That Dude, I can't top that. On that note, that was our news for the week. 
Over to you, Mac. All right. Well, now that we've looked at stuff that's going on right now, you know, here and now in the present, let's take a look at some of the stuff that happened in the past. Let's do some gaming history, folks. And we've got a couple real good ones to talk about today. <clears throat> See, normally I've got my computer in front of me, which makes the transitions a little bit faster, but thank you for bearing with us. <clears throat> Games that have been released this week since we spoke last, in years that went before, games that maybe we love, games that maybe shaped things. Let's start with Halo Combat Evolved. <coughs> Halo 1, released in 2001 for the original Xbox launch title, and in the parlance of the day, the killer app, if you will, of the Xbox. It really... I feel like in a lot of ways, while there had been LAN parties uh, for for ages, I really feel like, you know, things like Counter-Strike and StarCraft and the like, I really feel like my participation in that scene yeah. uh, really started with, uh, with Halo and the original Xbox. I mean, Christmas morning, playing some, uh, playing some Rockets only. Yes, oh, yes. Oh, man. That's Classic. No better way to have a Christmas morning than with rockets only on the original Halo. Classic. Classic. Mm. But uh, Halo 1? Halo... Yes, indeed. Halo is now 18 years old. Wow. So, uh, wow. you know, legal. All right. <laughs> uh, in 1998, the release of Half-Life for the PC... Half-Life, of course, has spawned many interesting and great things in and of its own right. Uh, Counter-Strike was a mod off of Half-Life. Um, but also, let's not forget Portal. Some of the great, really, really great uh, single-player experiences. And then later with Portal 2, you know, a nice two-player experience. But, uh, but, you know, we wouldn't have Portal without Half-Life. And Half-Life, well, I mean, I, I guess arguably we would have Portal without Half-Life because of Narbacular Drop, and things would have still happened. But, you know, stuff would have been just a if little bit If anyone hasn't played Portal 2, it's a top five uh, game of that generation. Killer game. Please go play it. Yeah. Um, <coughs> yes, of course, Half-Life for 1998. Um, it was this week in 2006 that we saw the release of the Nintendo Wii, um, which really in a lot of ways kind of saved uh saved nintendo now granted nintendo had been doing well financially for many years uh because of you know good business decisions but the nintendo wii was really uh was really the move that kind of recaptured a lot of market share after all, there had been sort of lackluster sales for the you know nintendo gamecube sure. and consoles like the Excuse me, like the uh, uh, well, like the Xbox, yeah, and like the PlayStation, the play, which would have been what PlayStation Two at the time, yep, PS Two, um, were really uh, were really capturing most of the market share. However, when the Nintendo Wii launched, not only was it pretty successful, but also it helped to capture a lot of people that weren't, and by capture I mean um, you know encourage the spending of those people who were, you know, not normally going to be targeted by, you know, by video games. Yeah. A lot of families, a lot of older people, a lot of people that you wouldn't have expected, um, leading to just, you know, uh, far and away, I would say that the Nintendo Wii is definitely going to go down as being one of those things about the 2010s that is just, you know, that is just like a big thing about it. If you watch one of those things where it's just like the decade in review, I'm pretty sure the Nintendo Wii is going to be on there. Not that I've watched it, but pretty sure. Uh, let's see here. And then uh, the last one that I want to talk about uh, happens to be the game Left 4 Dead, uh, released for the PC and Xbox back in 2008 this week. Left 4 Dead, one of my personal favorite video games of, of all time. Um, but also such solid co-op. And I think the thing that the Left 4 Dead really did for me more so than anything else was that it had such good AI teammates. It really did, yeah. I felt like, I felt like nowhere before, previous to the original Left 4 Dead, did I ever have teammates that I felt like had my back as well. Now that's not to say that they were perfect. 
it's not like they were better than, you know, someone, a buddy sitting right next to me that I could be like, Hunter, get him off me, get him off me. But uh, they were pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were at least passable to the point that you could successfully complete missions with nothing but AI partners. And that is, a, is no small task. Um, and I feel like AI partners since then, since Left 4 Dead, I can't say as how much, you know, how much they had to do with it, but I feel like AI teammates had definitely turned a corner around that point in time with, uh, with the original Left 4 Dead. Now, I do want to say on that note, um, we were talking earlier about how we went to the arcade today, the Galloping Ghost Arcade here in Illinois, mm-hmm. and one of the games that we played at the arcade, they have a lot of old school stuff, they have a Left 4 Dead arcade game. Indeed. What what do you think? It was in Japanese. Uh, it was definitely Left 4 Dead 2. It had the you know it had the things from Left 4 Dead 2. And one of the interesting things was that you put in credits and then you paid from your credits for however much time in game time you wanted in order to complete a level. And so it was basically this weird mix. There were there were extra helps and things, and it, the control scheme was a little bit different. There but were overall, arrows. There were arrows to help guide you to the safe house. But overall, it was, well, it was can, pretty alright. What about the controls as well? Uh, they were a little floaty. Yeah, because it was mouse. And, yeah, uh, it was and mouse like a, and like a Wiimote. Yeah, it was almost like a Wiimote. Yeah. Like like not like the nunchuck <clears> thing with <throat> the buttons, but like the other one with the two triggers and the and the the stick for movement but it was definitely an interesting experience but one that i'm glad that i tried out yeah killer game mm-hmm. well that's what i had for gaming history mr nice guy nice well hey we got uh we got a really cool story for our next segment our next segment is the topic of the week where we talk about something relevant in gaming give our opinions now for those of you here live you probably wondered and those of you not here live you probably thought they missed a major news story during gaming news we did not it's our topic of the week it deals with valve this is on gameinformer.com whoa 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 half-life 3 confirmed is this the news story let's see let's see what it is and then we'll talk about it so it's a short story um it says half-life fans and by the way this is by andrew reiner Half-Life fans have long waited for a conclusion to Half-Life 2, and Valve may finally be coming around on the idea of returning to this beloved story. Valve announced on Twitter that it will unveil Half-Life Alyx. That's spelled A-L-Y-X. Is that, that pronounced Alex? Well, that's Alex, yeah. I'm, see, I'm a noob. Alex. Uh, on Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, describing it as a flagship VR game. Outside of knowing Alex Vance is likely returning, we don't know anything else about this project. Is it the sequel fans have been waiting for? A prequel? <clears throat> Something entirely different? We'll have to wait until next Thursday to find out. Or until Thursday, I should say, to find out. Regardless of what it is, I think we can all agree it's great to see Valve making a new Half-Life game again. It's been too long. Now, we were just talking about Valve. I'm a huge fan, but Mac is like a super fan, compared to me at least. What are your thoughts on the story? What do you think? Half-Life 3? I don't know. What I would like is I would really like to think that this is going to be a, uh, you know, like like a completion. That it's going to be Half-Life 3. However, because they're going, they're opting for the VR, I feel like they're not going to make the completion of the story, but rather it's going to be a supplementary yep, story. Yep, yep. But... If they do that, then we've got a few options. It could be, kind of like he, he alluded to, it could be a prequel. It could be Alex Vance, you know, before she gets caught up with all this, you know, with all this uh, Gordon Freeman stuff. Or we do know there are segments of the, you know, of the Half-Life games, Half-Life 2 and such, where Alex Vance is, you know, not immediately in frame. It could be something like where we're going for her story during those events. That could also be a possibility. So something that's happening at the exact same time, but it's just Alex's point of view. That could be. Or another thing is it could be some completely different thing where it occurs way after the end of Half-Life 3, but that would be hard to do without, you know, you know, without actually having... Uh, references back to it and yeah, things sure. about what's going on. For sure. I just don't know. 
But I I, really hope that it's going to be a side story as opposed to a completion to the series because I would prefer to have, uh, you know, I'd prefer to have the end of the story be in the same format, to have it be that first person. Yeah, no, games evolve. Um, But I'm I'm with Mac, and it's it's funny because, I'm not going to lie, we usually don't compare news stories at all. But because he's at my house right now, we were all together all day, hanging out, having a good time. This came up and he said, dude, Half-Life, a new Half-Life game. And I said, listen, let's not talk about specifics until we're on the pod so that the conversation is real. What he just said is what was going through my mind. You can't have the, the <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. You can't have the, the flagship game, the main story, be on virtual reality. It's just not accessible enough. And if they ever make Half-Life 3, I feel like they want it to sell well. And they want those who have experienced Half-Life 2 to be able to finish the story. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't feel like virtual reality is something that is in enough homes for them to put a main game on it, right? I mean, you know me, I'm a tech guy. I don't have VR, you're a tech guy, you don't have VR. Um, I, I just don't see how they could, could do that. Um, so, Also, I'm not the biggest... Half-Life fan, because clearly I didn't know it was Alex and not Alex. It's been a while since I played Half-Life. Well, but then then again, because it's voiced in the games, you've heard Alex. Yeah, but you it's didn't been know a that's while. how it was it's, spelled. It's been a while. Yeah, that's true. So, I see what I you're mean, saying. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. You're, Thank you're you. not reading it. You're hearing Thank it. Thank you, Mac. I appreciate it. No problem. That. Yeah, it's been a while. Back. So, um, any other thoughts on this, man? If it does, let me let me put let me ask a different question. Sure. So, Valve is still making games. Mm-hmm. Clearly, right? Yes. Um, do you think that we're going to start to see other franchises get a third entry, even if the number three is not in it? Do you think we get another Portal? Um, do you think we get another Left for Dead? Uh, what do you think? They're still working on this stuff. It's true. It's true. Even though it has been quite some time, I would like to think that we would get another Half-Life um, as well as another Left for Dead. But I just, I just don't know. <laughs> Um, I'd love to see it. I think Portal, Half-Life, and Left 4 Dead all would benefit from another game in the series. Yeah, for sure. Now, why do you think that they made the decision to go with virtual reality? That To me, that's a crazy decision. Because, I mean, first of all, they're, they're self-aware. They know that everyone says they can't count to three. They know how badly their fan base wants another Half-Life game. And, and once again, the Half-Life fan base doesn't have virtual reality. At least not as much as, as we have PlayStation 4s and Xboxes and PCs. I mean, maybe this is one of those situations where it's a hype buildup for the next installment. Yeah, and that's why maybe it leads me to believe on. that this is not going to be Half-Life 3. It's going to be a side story. I feel like if it ends up being a demo... Just, just like a, a demo in the Half-Life universe, I feel like people will riot. Mm. It's like when they announced, they said there's a new Diablo and it ended up being a mobile game. Ooh, a couple yeah, years that ago. was that was rough. Yeah, was I rough. feel, I feel like that's that would be that would be a bad thing. So, anyway, any last thoughts, Mac? I kind of shared what I wanted to say. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, no, I think that's all I have. I think that's all I have to say about that. Well, tomorrow is Thursday, and that's the day they're going to make the official announcement. So we will find For, out. Tomorrow's what it is. Wednesday, day after tomorrow's Thursday. You're right. I'm out of it, dude. I had no too, worries. I had too much fun today. Uh, yeah, too much fun. You know, we've been we've been drinking sugary sodas and staying that's up late right, all that's night. That's right. Like it's, like children, like like man children, which we are. Uh, well, cool. That has been our news story. Our news uh, topic. I can't even talk straight. The sugary soda. That has been our topic of the week. Mac, back over to you, bud. All right. Well, now we want to take a look at a game that's, uh, you know, just trying to get off the ground. In a little thing we call Kick or Kickstart. We're going to take a look at a Kickstarter um, project. We're going to talk about some of the virtues, vices, and at the end, we're going to say whether or not we think this should be kickstarted. Thumbs up. Or if it should be kicked. Thumbs down. Um, and we encourage you who are here with us live or even if you're listening to this after the fact just yell it out on your bus we're tallying the marks from here whether or not you think it should be kicked or kickstarted so i'm posting a link in the chat the name of the game is fate of the elder gods so let's take a look at this on kickstarter <clears throat> basic whoop. you're good man uh, basically what we're looking at here 
is an action RPG called Fate of the Elder Gods. It does take a lot of uh, inspiration from a board game. Uh, now, I don't know much about that board game, so I, I, can't, I can't speak too much to that. But it's a 3D action RPG. It has, in the clips, the renders that we've seen, it has a sort of over-the-shoulder look to it. Um, this is a project being done by Campfire Studios. Uh, they are looking for $98,000 to bring this game to life. At the moment, they are at 10000 So, good luck. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and uh, as far as uh, time left, they've got 15 days left to go on the Kickstarter project. So, Fate of the Elder Gods is a little bit different because... Um, unlike some other, uh, um, because unlike some of the other games that you might have seen uh, that happen to involve Cthulhu or the Cthulhu mythos, um, this one, actually you take on the role of a cultist. So you're essentially one of the bad guys Ooh. doing this. And uh, your whole point—it's set in—it's uh, set also rather than the nineteen, you know, early uh, uh, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds when a lot of the uh, Lovecraft stuff is set. This is actually set in Victorian era, so it's you know, I, I guess that makes it like seventeen hundreds or something. Uh, but it's set more in that time period, and you're trying to you know uh, do your cultist thing sacrifice people i guess and the like and bring the uh the elder god cthulhu into the world so that's what we're looking at with the general bits of the game there are some components of it they're talking about going for more of an open world feel so that it's going to be quite large and you can kind of move your way around it um they're also talking a little bit about the various ways that uh, that they're going to try and implement um, a sort of free-form, or at least somewhat free-form, uh, system of spells by having, you know, sort of magic crafting of your own spells based on a certain pool of effects and things like that. Um, all in all, though, uh, the storyline, that, that's kind of what we know about the storyline. That's kind of what we know about the graphics. They're talking about ways in which they're going to be implementing things so that your decisions make differences later on, but, you know, that's all kind of marketing buzz terms before we hear anything. Now, if some of this is interesting to you, the uh, the buy-in, minimum buy-in for if you wanted to buy a copy through Kickstarter of the game would be... Do, 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 hang on, I had it here. Do, 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 um, do. Would be $30. $30 for a copy of the game. That gives you the, uh, the digital copy of one of the platforms hopefully released for PC and Xbox um, at time of release. And their estimated delivery is October 2020, so one year from now. One year from now, $90,000 and uh, 15 days left to go on the Kickstarter for a game like this. So, Mr. Nice Guy. Yes. Let's rip this to shreds. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't like the graphics. Second of all, I don't like the name. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be be mean and be overly picky. Um, I like that they're asking for a large amount of money because when I see a Kickstarter that's asking for $10,000, and just to be clear, $10,000 is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money to get a video game done. Um, so when I see people who are asking for a six-figure sum and they say, hey, we're going to be working on this for a year, I still think that's low if they're paying themselves from that money. But I think it's more realistic than someone who's asking for $5,000 for a year of work. So I like that they have, have good heads on their shoulders. Um, I also like that it looks like it's only going to be on two platforms, right? It looks like it's going to be on Xbox and Steam. Yeah, they're saying Xbox, PC, and maybe if we hit stretch goals, other platforms. Right. So they're not over-promising. I like that they're centralized on, hey, we're going to put it these two places. If we have the opportunity, we will later... Um, we will later put it other places. But I feel like someone in the chat pretty much said exactly um, what I was thinking, that it looks too ambitious. Yeah, Kane says that uh, that, he, that it's... Nope, I did the thing. Sorry, lost it. <clears throat> giggity, giggity, giggity. 
It's all good. You'll find it. Uh, he, I'll find it. He said, uh, he just said, yeah, it looks like they're being way too ambitious. Way too ambitious. Yep. And and I'd agree. I, you know, is this their first Kickstarter? Did we ever figure that out? Yes, it is their first Kickstarter. Okay. So it's the first Kickstarter that they've done. It, it I did look a little bit into the company and they said that they've been working on games in the past, working on stuff before. But I can't really see any actual proof of what they've done before. I can't see any games. Um, yeah, so I just don't know. And for my part, you know I've got I've got a real thing about having a playable demo. Yeah. Being able to see that you can bring this together. And there's no playable demo. Which really, really worries me. So for my part, even though I like the idea, I like the idea of being the cultist. Let me be the bad guy for once. Yeah. But, you know, I I would say kick it. Yeah, I would say kick it too. Um, for obvious reasons. I mean, it sucks because these people, like, they've put together a good Kickstarter. I will give them credit for that. But they've only raised $10,000 in 15 days. And they have 15 days left to get the other 80 so yeah so i don't think we have to kick it and, i think it'll get kicked. it'll get kicked on its own and here's the thing about kickstarter i feel like once you reach a certain point people look at the amount of money you're trying to raise versus how much money you have raised compared to how much time is left and they just decide they're not going to even give money you know what i mean yeah so unless they know a billionaire who wants to give them all all the money I, I feel like they're not going to make it. Um, but as always, we want to be clear. We wish all of these Kickstarters the best. We just analyze them. Um, and this one I have to say kick. I also will say this. I don't like that they're asking $30. Once again, it's their first game. AAA titles are are $60. Um, indies are often $15 to $25. So I don't like that they're asking for $30 bucks, um, when we don't really have any proof of the caliber of their work at this point so i say kick and it seems like most everybody else is saying you know very similar that they would say kick it looks good or it looks ambitious or you know you like the idea but it just feels like not everything's there yet and yes we wish you the best campfire studios but we're gonna pass on this one so uh, best of luck and we hope that this gets funded because uh because overall i think it's good uh, good ideas but that's what I had today for Kick or Kickstart. Awesome. Well, it's time for our next segment, and we're going to switch things up today. Mac is going to lead us out on this segment, but it is one of our favorite segments called Nerdflex. Woo-hoo! So in Nerdflex, we're going to have some nerdy trivia. And you may recall, if you guys have been here for a while, that when we first started doing nerd trivia, we or Nerdflex, we had ourselves um, uh, the, the format that you would that there would be a statement and it's a statement that is false in one way and you've got to figure out what the problem with it is so here's the false statement about it this first one is about fallout the fallout franchise after bethesda took over the franchise uh after fallout 2 yep they wanted to distinguish it from the previous entrance into the fallout series and by the time fallout 3 new vegas came out there was very little in common with the vision of the developers from the first two video games. I immediately know what's wrong with that statement. Okay, what's wrong with that statement? There was no Fallout 3 New Vegas. There's a Fallout 3 and there's a Fallout Fine. New... you know what I mean. Okay. My bad. Read it again then. If okay. that's not what's wrong, read it again. So... Fallout New Vegas. My apologies. Uh -huh. I just always say it. Fallout Three New Vegas. Does it not have? It, well, a and it no, it doesn't. But it, oh, but okay. a lot of people. To That's be fair, me. no, you're okay. A lot of people consider it to be basically an expansion of fallout yeah that's what i thought it was so it's not it's oh okay not. okay yeah it's it's its own game but anyway well sorry that was me i the the fallout 3 isn't the 3 isn't actually in there i just inserted that because oh yeah, yeah it's how your mind works okay. so after bethesda took over the franchise after fallout 2 that is wanted... first of all that's correct okay that's when Beth i believe that's when bethesda took over okay they wanted to distinguish it from the previous titles and by the time New Vegas came out, there was little in common with the vision of the developers of the first two video games. 
That actually sounds like it's 100% right. I mean, I haven't... I've played Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. You know, to a small amount. So here's, here's what I think is wrong with it. Okay. I feel like it's trying to say that Fallout New Vegas is the first game that came out after Bethesda took over. But really, it was Fallout 3. Because it says by the time Fallout New Vegas came out, mm-hmm. there was no vision. It almost... does. Is that... Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And I just don't know. Because that seems reasonable, given the question. But, uh, but I don't know what, exactly what they're going for. But nonetheless, I mean, I've played 1 and 2 to a certain extent. And what I do know for sure is that if we're talking about differences between Fallout, you know, the later Fallouts and the earlier Fallouts, yeah. fallouts well, we're talking, you know, first person, third person, you know, tactical. Because the first two yeah, I were much Fallout more tactical tactics. and yeah, turn-based. Yeah, I played it, I played it. And it was like a so, top-down yeah. game. Um, so, but so, I, I think I think that I, that's what I'm going to go with is I think that they're trying to make it sound like Fallout New Vegas was the first game Bethesda made when in reality it was Fallout 3. Okay, and I don't know, so I'm just going with Mr. Nice Guy here. So let's see what the correct and correction is. Okay, so we're wrong. Dang. Actually, Fallout New Vegas included developers who had been employed on the previous on the first two Fallout games. So the thing wrong with the statement was that was that it was so different from the vision of the original developers. I see. Okay. But no, because they actually used people who developed the in the first two games for Fallout New Vegas. So okay, so a swing and a miss, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll make okay. it back. We'll make it back. Spinnis brings up an interesting point, and he is a hundred percent correct. Oh, what's that? That Fallout New Vegas was made by Obsidian. Was made by Obsidian. Okay. Yeah, no, that's good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, so the second one is actually about the Halo franchise. Um, so this one says, No one survived the glassing of Planet Reach after the Pillar of Autumn left Dry Dock and made its random slipstream jump to installation number four. So, okay. I know that... Planet Reach was, like, destroyed. Sure. Right? And that that's why the first Halo uh, game, you know, starts. Because they had just jumped away from Reach because you can't let the Covenant know where Earth is. Sure. They make a huge deal about that. Sure. So, yes. And they did say it was, like, a random slipstream jump. But, like, is it strip slipstream or is it, like, hyperspace or something like that? Is that what's wrong with this question? Dude. I'm I'm going to guess that that in the Halo universe that it's called hyperspace and not slipstream. These are tough questions, and, and it's been so long since I've played these old Halo campaigns. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember. Gotcha. I have no idea. Well, I'm going to guess with that it's a it's a it's a you know a, a silly difference, but I'm going to guess that they call it hyperspace in the Halo universe. And 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 someone in the chat just said what I was thinking. And I like because I assumed there was a survivor. Okay. And someone in the chat just says that there was a survivor. Okay. So, okay. Maybe that's it. I'm still sticking with my original I'm gonna one. Say, I'm, I'm saying gonna go with, I'm gonna go with my man Spenis and say there was a survivor. Okay. All right. Well, good news. You guys are right. Um, we don't know how, and I assume this is who you're talking about. But Spartan JUN-A22, the leader of Noble Team, did escape Reach alive. So I guess that's who, who is it? Spenis says. Spenis says false because Buck. Spenis knows what's up, man. He's the one who sent us questions last week. He knows yeah. that trivia. He knows that trivia. Spenis, we are not worthy. For for the past fifteen episodes or so, I've been like, yeah, yeah, I've got this trivia. I know my <laughs> stuff. But I am I am truly humbled in the face of well, in the face of all of you. So uh, that's what I only had two uh, that's cool. uh, two trivia questions, but those are what we had. Remember, if you've got some trivia that you want to stump us on, you can always get in touch with us either via the email or uh, or uh, or Twitter or even direct message on Twitch, and we can do our best to try and work that into uh, future future episodes. Always on the lookout for. You know, some volunteer quiz masters. Yep, that's been Nerd Flex. Back to you, Mac, for our next segment. All right, back to me again. 
Okay, so now we're going to talk a little bit of legalese. Legalese. As you guys know, um, we have done a lot of talking over the past, well, you know, years, months, what have you, about internet stuff. And why not? Even though it's not exactly video game related, the internet plays a huge role in the way that we consume video games. And because I'm not a lawyer, just like to play one on a podcast, um, and we want to talk about legal stuff that might impact how we play games, you know, what better way, what bigger way could things be impacted than the distribution network that we've come to rely on for our video games? So that makes internet fair game. Let's talk about the most recent shenanigans from Ajit Pai, man with the world's most punchable face Let's hear over it. at the FCC. Let's hear it. As you guys recall, back when they, uh, you know, uh, did the whole no net neutrality thing, which, uh, you know, a lot of stuff has happened. I couldn't blame you for not necessarily remembering exactly how that went down. Um, but the short version, and therefore incomplete and ever so slightly not quite correct version of events was that they kind of copped out the FCC. They were like, hey, we have to roll back this whole net neutrality thing from 2015 because internet is not a Title II um, communication, a common carrier um, uh, a communication method. And therefore, sorry, therefore the FCC couldn't have had the authority to impose net neutrality rules in 2015. And so we have to just throw up our hands and say, you know, and say, well, we can't, you know, the FCC can't do anything really about Has it about been that, that long? 2015? It, well, 2015 is when they put the, uh, is when they did the whole, you know, uh, the whole net neutrality okay, the FCC okay. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then once we hit, uh, you know, once we hit beginning of the Trump administration, that's when Ajit Pai, who was promoted to be the chairman, sure. that's when he started just okay. slashing it. Got it. Got so it, it hasn't been quite that long, okay. but it's been a little while. Yeah. So what should happen? But shortly thereafter, there were issues with, uh, with, you know, uh, uh, with the FCC. Then like individual states and municipalities were like, hey, net neutrality is going to be a thing in our state. And the FCC said, no, you can't do that. Uh, to which, of course, the courts had said things just like, no, I'm sorry, guys. You said you had no authority to, to do this. So, yeah, you can't stop people from doing that. That's, you know, the enumeration clause of the Constitution, Article 10, <clears throat> in case anyone was paying attention. Um, but um, what we are more specifically talking about is the ongoing evolution of that, because several months ago, uh, the FCC gave an order that said that towns and municipalities and states could not impose uh, um, extra taxes on broadband providers yep. when they're bringing these things in. And uh, uh, to which there's been a lot of hoopla, but and here's where it's fun, and we're going to check back in on this later, but there have been uh, several dozen cities, municipalities, and, and states that have filed a basically a, a class suit against the FCC for their order that says, nah, -uh, you can't impose taxes on it. It's just like, we can do what we want, FCC. You have no power here, old man. That's that's the type of showdown we're having. That very Lord of the Ringsy showdown. Okay, Boomer. That's basically what's going on right now. Little bit. Maybe. And just in case OK Boomer has not aged especially well, or you're listening to this many years from now, it's, uh, you know, it's a sort of, yeah, I don't have to listen to you. That's the, the shorthand for I don't have to listen to you. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah there we go. But we're going to continue to follow this because who knows how it could go. Uh, but the fun thing about, you know, these sort of telecommunications things is that very often some of the, you know, some of the small cases, some of the cases that you don't think might have much of an impact, really wind up having some very far-reaching ones, which is why the law's kind of fun, but I'm not a lawyer and don't get legal advice from a podcast. So that's all for legalese. And that wraps the normal segments of the show today, which just leaves us to talk a little bit about what we've been watching and what we've been playing. And because we're big nerds, we always need more stuff to enjoy so we need you to tell us what you've been watching and what you've been playing mr nice guy 
What have you been watching? Dude, that, been that caught me off guard. That was seamless. Um, that uh, that transition to the last segment. Now, here's the thing. Because you're staying here, you've been here a couple days, uh, we've been watching and playing a lot of the same stuff. So I don't want to steal your thunder too much, but we can kind of talk about it at the same time. So last night, um, I had already seen it, but we watched The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you hadn't seen it yet. So do you want to give thoughts on it, what you thought? Uh, yeah. So actually, one thing that I thought about it is, is I, I enjoyed it, but I felt like I needed more to really cement my opinion of it. And so right now, there's only two episodes out, but I did kind of enjoy those two. Um, there have been times in the past where I've played, uh, uh, where I've played tabletop RPGs in the Star Wars universe, and I've been, I've played a Mandalorian character, so I've really, uh, so I've really, in the past, in, uh, really dived deep, in, dove deep, whatever, into the old lore yeah, of Mandalorians, yeah, yeah. so I felt very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, but then again, I don't know how much of the old lore is true. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, I liked it. Uh, there was an observation you had made about it that I guess we could talk about. About the helmet, or what are we? What are we talking? No, about, about the end. About uh, how there's not going to be an episode. Oh yeah, so I was looking at the schedule, and the way that they're doing this for the, for those of you who don't know, it's on Disney Plus and only on Disney Plus. They are not doing it Netflix style, so you can't binge watch it. They're releasing one episode a week every Friday, but their schedule is such that they are not releasing an episode the week that the new Star Wars movie comes out. And so Mac had a certain interpretation of that. Yeah, my thought was, number one, um, it seems like the time is fairly parallel to when the movies are going on. And if they're not, because it's not like... The decision for people is, do I watch the new Star Wars movie or do I watch a television show? That's not the decision people are making. Yeah. Especially when with things like Disney Plus, they've already paid for it. Exactly. So, uh, so you can't honestly think that there's a, uh, you know, that there's a, that there's going to be a conflict there. Rather, I think that it's going to wind up being a straight up tie-in to the movies. That there's going to be a straight up, uh, straight up crossover. That, like, we see the Mandalorian in the background. And and here's why that's not a crazy idea. Because we definitely saw it with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America Winter Soldier. I mean, these things aren't aren't different universes. It's literally the same universe. They could easily do that. So I'm with you. Yeah. Um, Other stuff I've been watching. Mrs. Nice Girl and I have been watching uh, some Boy Meets World. Blast from the Past. Uh, Darkwing Duck today. We got home from the arcade, yeah. and the kids were watching Darkwing Duck, which Darkwing made me Duck. made me proud. Um, what else? Oh, you got me into. Uh, we watched an episode of The Good Place, yeah, last night, and I had never seen the show. It's it's a really good show. Um, as a comedian, I really like seeing good writing, lots of punchlines and humor, and it was exactly that. So I definitely will be watching more of that. And I think that's it for watching. Now, as far as playing, obviously, we went to the arcade today. We talked about that already. Played a ton of those games. Um, today, we did some couch co-op. Mm-hmm. During the day, we played some... Uh, Left 4 Dead 2. Left 4 Dead 2. Classic. And it's a lot of fun. Now, I will say, and Mac had never seen my setup in person before, um, I have I have a projector in the basement. Um, and as we were playing Left 4 Dead 2, it made my eyes hurt. Like, I don't think that old games like that are meant to be played on the big screen and i don't know why that is but wouldn't you think that on a big screen it would work just fine my eyes hurt i don't know if yours did uh mine mac was did sit- yeah. mac was sitting like this close to the screen mr nice um, i've told you once i've told you a million times don't exaggerate <laughs> um it was not that close i was i did get much closer than he did though because it was kind of I just don't know. Do, do your other games look real good on They do. On that? Really? Yeah, everything else. But keep in mind, that's an Xbox 360 game. And usually what I'm playing is current gen stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it looks fine. It just looks bigger, you know. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just don't know. If your other stuff looks good, then it's definitely the game's problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we watched The Mandalorian on there. And yeah. it, looked, it looked fine. Well, but looked there's good. a difference in intensity. Yeah. Between just, you know, you're sitting back, you're just absorbing it, you know? You're kind of watching the whole frame. But when you're playing games, you know, you gotta... Especially things where you have to be looking for, okay, where do I go? What am I supposed to shoot? You've got to really focus up. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and as far as other stuff that I've been playing, you guys, if you watch my stream, you know I just finished Marvel's Spider-Man uh, last week. And I've been uh, doing Horizon Zero Dawn on my stream. So that's it for me. Anything else for you? You know, uh, I haven't played too frightfully much, but I've been watching Great British Bake Off. Um, and I've also been uh, watching The Good Place. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, did listen to a, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast called Beholder's Eye on my, you know, seven hour drive out here. Good stuff. Um, but you know, I'm the type of person who really likes Dungeons and Dragons. On that subject, one of the things that I had been playing was that over the weekend, there was an extra life, uh, thing in Omaha for, uh, you know, for a children's hospital. And uh, I participated and, and went and played some Dungeons and Dragons. There was an Adventures League going, met some real fun people, and uh, just had a good time overall. Nice. Um, well, Mac, we got a lot of good stuff in the chat that the people are into. Do you want to do you want to read that? Sure, sure. Um, let's see. Love the good place. It's forking amazing. Agreed. Um, let's see, we've got, let me get back there. Ah, perfect. Um, let's see, uh, Rick and Morty. So yesterday, uh, remember oh. when I said they're making, I made a mistake. I said, Mac, aren't they making new episodes of, um, what show was it? That cartoon, Phineas and Ferb? Oh yeah, yeah. It was actually Rick and Morty. Oh, I believe okay. they're making more Rick and Morty stuff. Okay, gotcha. So that, that's what it was. Gotcha, okay. Um, so let's see, some Rick and Morty. We've got some lots of Disney Plus, like Mandalorian and old Disney shows. Um, as for, we've got a lot more in the way of games, though. Um, we've got some recommendations for Red Dead 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, Borderlands 3 and Overwatch. And uh, let's see... Playing finished Luigi's Mansion, Pokemon Sword, haven't started Shield yet, Lonely Mountains Downhill, and a couple other games on Game Pass. Uh, also some My Hero Academia, and yeah. Oh, and uh, Ishmobile started Outlander recently. Um, that's kind of Fallout-esque, right? Outlander? I believe so. Yeah. Shout out to Okami. He says he's been listening to our podcast at work. Aww. Older episodes. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and Last Kingdom from Ishmael. And Last Kingdom. Cool, cool. Well, thanks everybody for not only spending, you know, an hour hanging out with us, but also t giving us those ideas, suggestions, and just hanging out. Now, we're going to uh, cut the podcast here, but we're still going to hang around for a few minutes and, you know, chat. Feel free to ask any questions you want. So um, thanks for listening to episode 116. It's uh, November, Tuesday, November 19th, 2019. And uh, be sure to, you know, if you're listening to us, rate us on iTunes. That really helps a lot. But, you know, just keep it nerdy, everybody. See you next week.